Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. Well, good morning again. As you can see from the message title, um, I'm going to be speaking on the subject of some biblical prophecy for the next few weeks. And we're, today we're looking at the Bible in the end times. And obviously there's no way to cover all of, all of that in one sermon or anything like that. But um, next week, for instance, I'm going to be talking about the difference between the rapture and the second coming of Christ. Um, we a lot of times use those as interchangeable terms, but there's actually a difference. And so I'm going to be speaking on that next week. But today I, I want to look at um, just kind of the overall topic. Now, the return of Christ is a major Bible theme. Um, between the Old Testament and, and, and New Testament, it, it is the, the second return of Christ um, has, is mentioned at least 1,500 different times. And God, through his word, tells us that Jesus will return again in Acts 111. Um, just so that you kind of get the picture, the, the, the disciples had just watched Jesus ascend up into heaven. And you can imagine they're all standing there like that. And the, the, they're just standing there, and all of a sudden, a, a couple of angels appear to them. And in Acts 1.11, it says, Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? You know, in, in modern terminology, why are you gawking up in, into the sky? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So in, in Matthew 24, which is where we're going to be today, um, Jesus is answering some questions from his disciples. Um, he, he's looking at the end time events and, and he's kind of projecting forward on how the end times are going to unfold. Now, in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus comes out of the temple for the last time, knowing that within just a few days, he's going to be crucified. And it's a time for Jesus that's filled with grief. Now, his heart is breaking because his own people have rejected him. And because they have rejected Jesus and Jesus and God are one, they have also rejected God. And so at the end of chapter 23, Jesus says, beginning with verse 37, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is abandoned and desolate. 
For I tell you this, you will never see me again until you say, blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So Jesus comes out of the temple and the disciples are, are kind of going on about, oh, isn't the temple magnificent? Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it spectacular? And Jesus tells his disciples that the time is coming when the temple is going to be destroyed. And he, he, you know, he, he explains to them that, that it's going to be not just destroyed, but there will not be one stone left upon the other. And as you can imagine, that kind of shocks the disciples. They're kind of like, whoa, you know, uh, well, we need to know more about this. And, and the truth is what Jesus said exactly happened 40 years later. Uh, the Roman army came in, they destroyed Jerusalem, they burned the temple, and in the temple there was gold all over used as part of the, the temple decorations. Well, when the, when the temple went up in flames, the, be, because it was layered in gold, the gold melted, and as the temple collapsed and fell, that gold fell down into the cracks and the crevices. And so once the temple had kind of cooled off, plunderers began coming in, prying the stones apart in order to, to dig that gold that had melted and, and gone down into all the cracks and the crevices. And exactly as Jesus said, no stone will be left on another that, that happened. Well, after Jesus had told them that the temple was going to be destroyed, the disciples came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. It says, later, Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when all of this will happen. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? So they have three questions here that they that they're asking Jesus. You know, when will the temple be destroyed? What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of the the end of the age? So Jesus answers these questions. And, and again, what he does is he looks through the tunnel of time and he gives them and therefore gives us seven different signs or evidences that will occur that will signify his return. And so I want to spend our time this morning looking at these seven different signals or signs that, that the Bible gives us. The first one is deception and counterfeit messiahs or counterfeit Christ. In verse 4, Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. So Jesus warns that it's going to be a time of deception. In 1 John chapter 4, John also warns us that, that deception is going to be one of the main events that 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 signify the return of Christ. In 1 John 4 verse 1 it says, "Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the spirit they have 
comes from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. Well, does that apply to today? That, that would be the question to ask. In the past 50 years, so in most of our lifetimes, there have been no less than 1,100 different people who have claimed to be the return, the returning Jesus Christ. Um, 1,100 just in the past 50 years. Here is just a very short list of names that you will know and recognize. Jim Jones, David Koresh, Sun Young Moon, Marshall Applewhite. If you don't remember who Marshall Applewhite was, do you remember the Heaven's Gate cult where they all committed suicide so that they could go and get on the Haley, uh, Haley Bop Comet? Well, that was Marshall Applewhite and Charles Manson. All of those people at one point or another claim to be the returning Messiah. Now, Jesus said there will also be a lot of deception. Do you ever feel like you're being lied to? If you don't, we need to talk. Um, you know, the, the news and the information that is given to us is skewed. Uh, news used to give us the facts and as closely as, as possible. In fact, news people took great pride in trying to get the story as accurate as possible. Now we are fed a version of the news. We are, are told what certain people want us to hear. The, the goal is to deceive people in order to mold public opinion in one direction or another. Now, instead of being told what happened or what the truth is, uh, what we do is we watch the news station that most closely aligns with our political viewpoint so that we're told what we want to hear, not necessarily what the truth is. Now, we have, in essence, become willing participants of our own deception. But there is a lot of misinformation, a lot of lying that is being promulgated out in, into the world. Jesus also says that there is going to be escalating conflict. In verse 6, he says, you will hear of wars and, and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. Now, World War I was supposed to have been the war to end all wars. And we see how that turned out. Now, in the 6,000 years of recorded human history, and, and I don't know how exactly they arrive, whoever they are, how they arrive at this figure, but it is estimated in the 6,000 years of recorded human history, approximately 600 million people have been killed as a result of war. Over half 
of those people. So approximately 300 million people have been killed in war within the last 120 years. Now, what, what we can draw from that, whether those numbers are, are perfectly accurate or not, is that we humans are becoming more proficient at killing each other. That's one thing we do know for sure. Wars are increasing both in number and in intensity. War is no longer limited to just conventional war where you have one army against another. Now it is more prevalent that, that you have things like terrorism and bombings and, and there's just an escalating conflict. Not uh, Again, not just country against country, but within our cities. And, and then there are disasters of, of escalating consequence. Uh, again, Jesus said on the, the last part of verse 7, and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. Well, let's look at those three things. Famine. With our agricultural abilities that we have now, the techniques that we have now, we should have been able to solve the world's famine problems, right? Uh, you know, th there's no reason that anyone around the world should be going hungry. But did you know that every minute of every day, 11 people die from hunger? every minute of every day. All due to hunger. All of our technology, all of our skill, all of our ability, and people are still starving to death. 155 million people right this very second are living in crisis due to a lack of food. I, how can that be? Well, famine today is evidence of, of humanity's sinfulness. It, it's not that there's not enough food to go around. It's that those who control the food would rather let people starve than to, to get top dollar for their food. Or that those who control the food use it as a weapon to control and, and manipulate other people. Food is not the issue. It's the supply of food that's the issue. And then Jesus talked about that there would be ever-increasing plagues and pestilence. Uh, has anyone heard of this thing called COVID-19? Um, it, it's been in the news a little bit. Have you ever stopped to think that maybe COVID is just part of God's overall plan? Human reason would say that with our advanced medical capabilities, we should have solved the problem of, of plagues or, or pestilence. You know, after the 1950s, we thought we had conquered polio and, and measles and smallpox and all of those sort of things. And, and so it makes sense that we shouldn't have a problem with global issues. But then comes AIDS and SARS and Ebola, and now, now we have this COVID thing going on. Jesus said 
plagues would be a sign of his return. Now, what my, my suggestion is, is don't look for plagues to go away. I would look for them to grow worse. You know, uh, there's certainly debate whether COVID is really that big of an issue or not. Uh, again, there's deception in, in a lot of the information. But the bottom line is, these are not going to go away. They're only going to grow worse. Jesus talked about earthquakes. Earthquakes have dramatically increased in the last decade even. There have been more earthquakes in the past 10 years than in the previous 100 years. Did you know that within the past 24 hours, there have been 115 earthquakes worldwide of a 2.5 magnitude or greater? You know, seismologists calculate that earthquakes have increased over 2,000% since Columbus first came to the Americas. Earthquakes have killed more people in the last 40 years than in the previous 120. Um, Paul wrote in Romans 8, against its will, all creation is subject to God's curse. For we know that all creation has been groaning right up to the present time. And I think, you know, honestly, the earthquakes, I, I know that there's science behind it, but in my mind, earthquakes are just evidence of, of creation groaning under the curse of sin. Now, all of this famines and plagues and earthquakes and lions and tigers and bears, oh my, you know, all of this stuff. Have you ever stopped to think why? Why when Jesus was saying that these things will be evident and they will be increasing as a sign that his return is drawing close? Why? Why, why those sort of things? Because God is wanting people to wake up. When a parent disciplines their child, what they're doing is they're, they are disciplining that child in order to shock that child into straightening up, in order to get them to comply, to get them to behave. They're trying to rid an unwanted behavior. Well, I believe that what God is doing is he is allowing these things to happen in order to drive people to their knees to get them to repent. You know, he he has been loving. He has been gracious. He has been patient. But as the time draws short, he's going to become more stern in order to give people an opportunity to wake up and to change their, their behavior, to turn away from their sinful direction. Now, is that what's going to happen? No, that is not what's going to happen. The next, the next sign of the times is what's going to happen. There's going to become open hatred toward Christians. Verse 9 Jesus says, then you will be arrested and persecuted and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. 
We will be attacked if we are genuine followers of Jesus Christ. Persecution is going to increase, and it is going to be primarily aimed at Christianity. Have you ever stopped to think about the fact that why, why would anyone not like Christianity? We stand for a God who says he loves us so much that he was willing to die on a cross because we are sinners and we can't save ourselves. Why is that something to hate? Why is that something to reject? Well, the reason is, is because people hate God. They don't mind religion, but they hate God. This past Thursday, I, I came across this on Facebook, of course. Um, this past Thursday was end of Christianity Day. Did you know that? Uh, did, you, did you miss out on that? The, the goal was to start a grassroots movement to rid the world of Christianity and recruit new atheists. Uh, this was on Facebook. I, I, I was going to have it pro promoted up there, but I, or projected up there, not promoted. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> the world doesn't mind religion, but it hates Jesus Christ. Did you know that more Christians have died for their faith in the past century than all of the other centuries combined? Every day, more Christians are being killed right now today than under, uh, under the Roman rule. You know, we think about Nero and burning Christians and Christians being dragged into the Colosseum and fed to the lions. It's worse today than it was in those days. Uh, it, it is estimated that over 50 million Christians have been slaughtered in communist countries alone in the past 100 years. No generation has seen such worldwide persecution as today. And certainly Christian bashing has become a favorite pastime in newspaper, radio, television, things like that. And here in America, the, the stakes are, are definitely growing higher. Under this administration, as it pushes the so-called Equality Act, attacks on Christians and Christian businesses and churches that, that preach the gospel and that hold to the word of God, though persecution is going to increase way, way more than what we are experiencing right now. The next thing Jesus talks about is distortions from, from cults and from um, false religions. In verse 11, he says, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. The prof word prophet here just means anyone who speaks in authority. So TV news anchors, the experts that they have, philosophers, professors, scientists, politicians, 
anybody who is trying to mold society and, and direct society. And it says that they will deceive many, like in the days of Noah, when God saw that the, the imaginations of men's heart were continually evil. The world has, you know, the, the world is going to be embracing this one world religion that, that claims that God is revealed through Buddha or through Krishna or through Muhammad or through Jesus. It doesn't matter who you believe in because all roads lead to the same place. Uh, this is this is the direction the world is headed while I was watching the Olympics, I saw this little feature that they did on joyful breath tree meditation. Did anyone see that while watching the Olympics? The whole idea is that you can get in sync with trees and that the trees will communicate with your spirit and that they will give you calm and they will give you joy. Well, here's the interesting thing. When people turn away from believing in the one true God, it's not that they're going to not believe in anything. It's that they're going to believe in everything. You throw open the door and just it, it's all there. So you can believe in communicating with trees or you can believe in Bigfoot. You can believe in aliens. It's all fair game. You know, it, it doesn't matter. What's going to happen is that as our world becomes more and more evil, as it turns further and further away from God, there's going to become an increasing coldness, a lovelessness. In Matthew 24, verse 12, Jesus says, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Well, I don't think, you know, I need to try too hard to convince you that sin will be rampant everywhere. That, that certainly can apply for us today. But beyond that, what we're going to experience is this false teaching and false beliefs that move society's moral base further and further away from God. And, and the further away we get, the more cold, the more heartless, we become. When there is no moral base, it becomes accepted to kill the unborn. It becomes accepted to endorse homosexual lifestyles and, and to lie, to steal, to cheat, uh, and a whole host of other wrongs. What happens is, as, as you move further and further away from God, the fire and the glow of genuine love is destroyed. People become hardened. They become calloused in their hearts. And when a person looks around and all they see is evil, it becomes easy to just kind of put up a wall and just say, I'm blocking everything out. But that can't be the Christian's response. You know, if we are genuine followers of Jesus Christ, we have a mandate, and that's the seventh Example or the seventh sign that Jesus gives us in verse 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. 
Before Jesus ascended to heaven, he gave us one task to do. He commissioned us to take the gospel to the entire world. That is our job. That is more important than what you do for a living. It is more important than anything else that you have to do. The, the, the gospel wasn't given to save society. It, you know, we aren't trying to create heaven on earth. What we want to do is we want to take the gospel to save people one by one by one from the wreckage of society. You see, governments and societies are only going to be as righteous as the people who make up those governments and those societies. And as, as, our, as people become more wicked, our government and our society is going to become more wicked. Don't expect it to be any other way. You know, the Bible never promised that everybody is going to be saved, but we are commissioned to take the gospel to the whole world. And Jesus said that by time he returned, the gospel would be preached to every tribe, to every nation. It didn't say that it would be preached to every single person. Has this happened? Yes, it has. Through crusades and radio and television and books and tapes and the internet, the gospel has been taken to every single nation on earth. Matthew 24, 8, Jesus says, but all of this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. What Jesus is saying is that this is these seven signs are all evidence that he is about to return and they are going to increase and they are going to become more intense and they're going to become more focused and more directed. And, and, and it's going to be just like a, a woman giving birth. Those contractions get tighter and tighter and harder and harder. Now, are we seeing these things multiply and intensify in, in our world. I think we are. I, you know, I, I don't think there, there's an argument to say, oh no, things are, are not that bad. What, what do we need to do? What do we need to understand? We don't have to wait on anything for Jesus to return. There is no box that has yet to be checked before Jesus can return. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your job until Jesus returns is to be taking the message of Jesus and of the kingdom to the unsaved that you come in contact with. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, then you need to stop and, and ask yourself, is what is what I am saying this morning, does it hold any truth? And if you would say, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, then you need to get right with God. You need to confess that you are a sinner and that your only salvation is through Jesus Christ. That is, that is the only thing that you can do 
to be saved. There, there is nothing else. You know, it, it's not a matter of praying a prayer and saying, okay, I took care of that. It, that. That's not the way it works. You commit your life to being a follower of Christ. You devote yourself to being obedient to him. And that's the wisest thing that any of us can possibly do. So this morning, uh, you know, my, my invitation to you is to ask yourself, am I a follower? Am I a committed follower of Jesus Christ? If you are, praise the Lord and keep doing the work of the kingdom. If you are sitting here saying, I, I really don't know if I'm a follower or not, I, I, then today, fix that. Resolve that you will be a follower of Christ. We're going to have an invitation and I'm going to stand down here. Again, there's nothing magical about coming forward or, or, or something like that, but I'm available if you would like to pray or if you have questions or if you need to just talk about some stuff, I'll be down here and I'd be glad to, to visit with you. What's most important, though, is to be obedient to what you, you sense God is calling you to do. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we, more than anything, must be obedient to you. You will return, and I personally believe it will be very soon. But even if it's 10,000 years from now, the bottom line is you have called us to be obedient to you, to live a life that brings honor to you. And so, Father, I just pray for everybody that is a part of this service, whether they're, they're sitting here or whether they're watching online. And, Father, I just I pray for them. I pray that you would speak to their heart, to their mind, and help them to be faithful to you, to to answer in their heart of hearts, am I a, truly a committed follower of you? Lord Jesus, may your will be done. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen.